Alright, good evening everyone. Thank you for uh, coming over. I'm uh, glad I get to talk in this in this room because this is where I'm used to speaking. So, and my seventh graders came back. Bless you, seventh graders. Well done. We have uh, our session on influence of music. Uh, how does music affect us in our lives, and what does music, what does the Bible say about our music? My I personally enjoy music very much. I enjoy singing, and so I've had my share of, of things I've listened to, music, uh, songs I've sung, uh, videos I've watched. Uh, and while I've, I really enjoyed this study because I felt like I came out on a new perspective on music. Now, I still have a lot of questions on certain types of music. We're going to talk a little bit about that and uh, what music is good for us, what music is bad for us. But uh, I'm still learning about that, but I hope you can find some clarity in this week if you, uh, if you come for all the sessions. Now, my goal with this session, or with this whole week, is not to tell you who you should listen to, who you should not listen to, whether or not you should listen to them, or this group, or that group. But I want to give you, uh, from my perspective, maybe some boundaries, or some morals, or some principles to help you figure out uh, what songs are good, what songs are bad, things like that. And uh, look at it from a biblical perspective, see what the Bible says about it. Uh, what is a, a big question we often ask when we, uh, when we think of music? When we hear a song, what is one of the first questions you might, you might ask yourself? Who wrote it? Who wrote it? Yeah. What else? Who's singing it? Say it again? Who's singing it? Who's singing it? Uh, who's singing it? Do I like it? Do I like how it sounds? Uh, how does it make me feel? Things like that, right? Uh, often we tend to go with that, uh, but a better, maybe a better question would be, uh, do I understand what the music is about, or who's singing it, or what are they saying? Things like that. Maybe a better question. We do well with saying, I like the song because it makes me feel good, it makes me excited, right? So, uh, I'll give you a brief rundown of uh, schedule for the week. Sunday night, uh, tonight we're going to talk about the history of music, kind of lay a foundation and see how music has changed over the years. I'm going to play a couple songs for you uh, from back then, so you can see how much music has changed. Monday night, we'll talk about the influence of music, talk about the power of sound, the power of words, and the power of association. That'll be tomorrow night. Uh, Tuesday evening, I'll talk about the music according to the Bible. What does the Bible actually say about music? Uh, does it doesn't say anything about music. How does it say it? What is it trying to say? Wednesday evening, uh, our response. What, what are we supposed to do with that? How should we change? Should we change our views of music? What we listen to? Things like that. And then Thursday night, uh, maybe have a panel discussion. Uh, kind of an open evening, question and answer type thing. Uh, I might get some people to come up here and do a little panel. We'll see. Uh, I've been throwing some ideas around with that. Thursday evening. So, history of music. Uh, first session. Who is the uh, first recorded musician that we know of? The first musician that we know. Jubal. There you go. Uh, Jubal, his father of harp and organ, is found in Genesis 4, 19. says, Lamech took unto him two wives. The one was Ada and the other one was Zillah. And Ada bare Jabal. He was the father of all such as dwell in tents and as people that have cattle. And the other brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and the organ. I wish we could hear their style of music. I wish you could see what it looked like. What does a, a harp or an organ look like in that day? Uh, I wish we could go there, but we can't. But this is the first mentioned, the first recorded person in the Bible who was a musician. 
Now, some people think that uh, Satan uh, would have been the first worship leader. Some people think that based on some verses that uh, uh, Satan is the first worship leader, and then they would argue the point that a lot of music can be satanic, and we'll maybe get to that later. Uh, why they where they come out with that? Fascinating. Uh, what are some other mentions of music in the Bible that you think of? David playing for Saul, right? Absolutely. When they crossed the Red Sea. <laughs> when they crossed the Red Sea. Uh, interesting story. When they dedicated the temple. When they dedicated the temple. With the trumpets often. Yep. Jehoshaphat's choir when they won the battle by singing or something like that, right? Here it was. I just pulled a couple out. Uh, Miriam at the Red Sea. Uh, it says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider had to thrown into the sea. And verse 20, it says, And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. This lady's like 90 years old or something like that, and uh, takes this little Radley thing and goes and dances. And it says all the women. Now, I don't know how many women this is after they cross the Red Sea. But uh, having a powwow. Interesting. I, I, someday we can see a clip of that, maybe, when we get to heaven. Who knows? Another mention is Jephthah returning from battle. Uh, he smote them, he wins. And uh, it says that Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances. And she was his only child. Because beside her, he had neither son nor daughter. Now, what happens to her eventually? Remember, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice the first thing that comes out, right? And he gets home and he wins his battle. Whatever comes out first, I'll sacrifice. And his daughter comes out singing and dancing. Uh, Bob mentions a lot of references about that. I don't know if we'll get to the dancing part in this session, but uh, we can maybe have a dialogue about that later. Uses of music, some other uses of music in the Old Testament. Uh, coronations, we mentioned dedication of the temple, things like that. Uh, Zadok the priest, when they dedicated anointed Solomon, they blew the trumpet. Uh, when they had feasts, Isaiah mentions harp and the viol and the tabret and the pipe. Also, you have the story of Nebuchadnezzar and the, all the music sound that everybody's supposed to bow down. Uh, supernatural experiences. Uh, Joshua, the priest blew the trumpets and the walls came tumbling down. When I was studying this portion, I found it fascinating because I, I see with my, with my kids, they do everything we do, right? So they're right in that copying stage. So you blow your trumpets and the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. And what are all the kids in the tribe of Israel going to be doing for the next couple of weeks? We walking around tents and blowing horns or something, right? Something is fascinating. And then you have David and Saul. This is actually a very interesting one. Uh, Saul's trouble. People say, come get somebody to play for you so that you feel better, right? Uh, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. Verse 23 continues on, this is later. It says, It came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand, so Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departs from him, simply from David playing the harp. Does music affect us that much? We will uh, get to that maybe uh, tomorrow. Uh, what about music in the, old, in the New Testament? Any experience of music in the New Testament? What do you think of when you think of music in the New Testament? When they sang the hymns 
the Last Supper, Supper, right? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Actually, the first one I have here. They sung a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives, disciples and Jesus. Yeah. Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas, absolutely. Uh, mourning. People are crying or death. Uh, the, when the, uh, Jesus comes in and raises the, the girl from the dead, they saw minstrels and the people making a noise. Minstrels being people that were there to uh, play sad music, basically. Uh, celebration. Prodigal son returns. The older brother's in the field. He came near, drew nigh to the house. He heard music and dancing. Another mention. And then you have Paul and Silas as well in confinement. Uh, saying praises unto God. So, these are the mentions, uh, just a few mentions of music in the Bible. Now I'm going to play you a couple songs of moving through the different ages, the evolution of music. And you've probably heard different uh, videos of people doing this evolution of music thing. It's quite fascinating. But my goal with this is to show you how far music has actually come. What it started with uh, to where we are now and where new genres came in. We'll touch about that at the end where the new genres come in. But uh, the first one here, you have uh, Middle Ages. This is uh, Vexilla Regis, AD 569. Uh, this is kind of your normal plain chant, a uh, very simple line. Uh, everybody's singing together, nothing really exciting about it. Kind of a, just a steady, everybody singing in unison, going together. This is during the Middle Ages, a very dark time, very depressing time. Uh, castle, living in a castle, things like that. something. I did this experiment with my seventh graders where I played a bunch of different songs and had them close their eyes and tell me where they were when they were listening to the song. Uh, a bunch of different styles. It's quite fascinating. I'm going to mention some of that later uh, this week and some of the responses they had. When you listen to this song, what, what do you think of? Or what, where, where does this take you? Cathedral. Cathedral, yeah. Monastery. Or like a, yeah, monastery. A monastery, yeah. Middle Ages, a very uh, you kind of get a little bit of a, a little bit of a dark feel from it, right? It's not nothing really exciting about it, nothing really uh, flamboyant or uh, harmonious about it. It's just a simple, uh, simple piece. A little bit later, you have this is thirteen hundred, it's about uh, seven to six, seven, six, seven, eight hundred years later. Uh, Messe de Notre Dame. Uh, this is the introduction of four-part harmony. So they're starting to branch out a little bit, and so they add some more parts to harmonize to make it a little bit. Uh, of a better feel, and uh, this uh, this style kind of shows the kind of gives you that depressing kind of anguish, like confused vibe, uh, and the composer try to bring restoration. And at the end of the first verse, it resolves into a nice chord. You can hear it towards the end of the first verse. So just play a minute or so. But they're trying to bring peace to the world because everything's so depressing right now. Peace. 
long time to get there, isn't it? A lot of, a lot of heat going around before they finally kind of like make you breathe inside really towards the end. Uh, next one, sorry. Renaissance period. Now we're at the 1500s uh, with Ava Marie. Uh, this style, they, they, uh, Re Reformation is beginning. Uh, and so you have this imitating what other people are doing. So the Reformation, these guys are starting to branch out, be more liberal. So they have this imitation style music coming where you have like somebody starts, other parts joining in, and more of an echo. Chant where everybody sings together, we're all going to do the same thing. You have people starting to slowly branch out, and this is where the Reformation comes, and people start rebelling against the Catholic Church, start separating and uh, feeling themselves out. And you have the High Renaissance, uh, Pope Marcellus and Gloria. This was considered kind of a savior of, of Renaissance music in the fact that it wasn't chaotic, it didn't quite give you the depressing feel like some of them. This is a lot easier uh, for people to handle. And this is around the time that Michelangelo da Vinci started emerging into the scene with, you have the art, you have scholars, new ideas, uh, text is easier to understand, parts are coming in separately, and it's still a little bit restrained a little bit, but uh, a lot more uh, emotion behind it. Times are changing, people are thinking outside the box, you have music starting to think outside the box as well. Uh, Baroque style music, how many of you like this style, listen to this style, Baroque music? Fascinating, uh, one of my favorite styles, I actually enjoy this style, Baroque means irregular pearl. Now the Protestant Reformation is taking place since so you have Martin Luther and all these conservatives breaking off from the church. And so, with their simplistic ideas and their simplistic music, so the Roman Catholic Church tries to fight this by coming up with this uh, flamboyant, very exciting style of music to attract people to that, rather than following the simplistic Protestant way of life. Uh, this is, uh, Baroque is actually a derogatory name. It's a negative name of the Protestants that have given it to it. Uh, it's, it's too flamboyant, it's too liberal, it's too colorful, uh, too much going on in the piece. It's not our traditional way of doing music, so to speak. Uh, this is also when the opera is invented. The thing with opera is when you sing opera, you're very dramatic, lots of passion. That was too much for people. You're supposed to be subdued and do your little chanting thing together. And you have this, uh, this style coming out. And uh, Johann Sebastian Bach was a, is a most popular Baroque musician that we know. Uh, lots of his music would be in this style. And this is polyphonic, which means there's lots of different melody lines going. So there's lots of, not one specific melody, but everybody's kind of convenient. 
fans of that style of music. Yeah? Makes you feel better than a little wailing going on, right? So you have this, people are branching out from the Roman Catholic Church and from this traditional Protestant thing. Let's see a little more colorful, put a little more picture, uh, a little more uh, flamboyancy into it. And Bach, like I said, is a very famous one. Here's another one from, this is the most popular one from this, uh, from the Baroque style, Brandenburg, Concerto number no. 3 in G major. Uh, very exciting picture, makes you feel a lot more uh, dynamic. And this is actually one I played for the seventh graders. And uh, when you listen to this one, tell me where you are when you uh, listen to this piece. Sitting in the dentist's chair. That's how you feel about it. Is that a good feeling? No, but I mean, the music is nice. I enjoy the music, but I guess my dentist played that stuff. <laughs> there you go. Good. I actually do an experiment tomorrow night about with, with soundtracks and, and what, what are you thinking with certain songs, what, 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 what you feel from that song. But uh, you get this song specifically have the harmony coming out and the bass line being consistent, which when you have a consistent bass line, then the parts are able to harmonize and move better. So you have this, so you can imagine people hearing this kind of style and being like, this is wild music, right? Because we're so used to the plain chant, uh, simple songs. This is wild music for a lot of them. Uh, now you have classical age. Uh, Hayden, the day of Hayden, simply number 94 in G major. Uh, age of Enlightenment. People are starting to think about reason. Like they don't, they're not, they don't want to go with custom or traditions. We want to do what we think is right. We have this uh, enlightenment age where people are studying. This doesn't make sense, therefore we shouldn't do it. We're going to do this. We do whatever we think is right, not as much the custom or tradition. So you have this style. Uh, more contrast in mood and theme. The music's starting to feel a little bit like happy or sad. Uh, not quite as flamboyant as the Baroque style, just like all over the place, but it still has a nice glory melody. Uh, and this has the uh, introduction to the homophony, which is where you have just a simple melody line and all the parts harmonizing with it. And this is a surprise in uh, Symphony number 94. Here again, picture where you are, what are you thinking, where does the song take you?
Where are you when you hear this piece? Disney animation. <laughs> Disney animation. It's sneaking the, or tiptoeing to sneak cookies and then something gets caught. One of the seventh graders said, walk in the woods and a bear comes out. He's going to throw the woods. I was going to look at what I had again. Like kind of, uh, like a little bit of like, you know, a very tuneful melody, but uh, you have the contrast of salt uh, in the dynamics especially. Classical age, you have this song, O Come Loud Anthems, Let Us Sing. This is written in the classical age. Uh, so familiar hymn we know, we're going to sing verse 1 of it. But uh, written in 1822, it's actually adapted from Hayden himself, who was popular in the classical age. Uh, let's sing verse 1. I don't know if you can see the words way enough there. Oh, oh come loud anthems, let us sing loud thanks to our almighty King for we It's a very physical piece, one of the first pieces that makes you feel uh, like something's going on. And you can kind of sense what's going on, especially in the title, uh, Thunderstorm. Contrast that style to the classical style or the, uh, the style before it, very light, tuned for melody. This kind of makes you feel, starting to feel a little more of uh, the physical part to it. 20th century, our last one here, uh, Right of Spring by Igor Stravinsky. This song uh, goes live in France, and the day it goes live, there's a riot that breaks out in France after this song is played. A very, once again, very physical, uh, a lot of dissonance in this song. Uh, parts of it that make you really uh, frustrated if you listen to uh, 
the certain parts in it, but uh, it's fascinating part that the uh, the riot a riot does break out. Let me find my part again. genres emerging soon after this. We're 1900s now, 20th century. Uh, 1815, music box is invented. Uh, the first time you can actually have self-playing music in your house. Uh, 63, player piano is invented. Then you have the phonograph invented where you can record music and keep it in your house. Uh, blues music is originated. This is all before music that we are used to, that we know of today. Most of the music we know has not been invented. We're getting there. 1897, ragtime music is created. 1899, tape recorders created. Now you can record and play back music. Voila, fascinating. This is the emergence of high culture versus pop culture. I'm going to run through this very quickly here. High culture uh, places a greater value on high music and arts. Kind of like the classics, the traditional things, that's high culture. Pop culture stands for popular culture, which basically uh, places greater value on what's popular and what is appealing. What do we like? How does it make us feel? We listen to the song, it makes me feel good, therefore it must be good. And we uh, tend to look at our songs, we're going to talk about this tomorrow and the next couple days about if a song makes us feel good, is it actually a good song or what makes it a good song? And uh, this is actually the majority of the music created in the last 20 to 30 years. Most of the music that we would know of here is all pop culture style, where it was created uh, based on what's popular and appealing currently. Uh, we'll talk more about that later. Pop culture snapshot, you have Dixieland music, 1920 country music, uh, televisions created, 31 electric and bass guitars, Great Depression, record sales suffer, the radio takes off, 40s rhythm and blues music and bluegrass, 50s you have rock and roll, cool jazz and Elvis Presley, 60s Rolling Stones, Beatles, soul music, folk rock, 70s reggae, fusion jazz, punk, smooth jazz, progressive rock, heavy metal, disco, soft rock, glitter rock, 80s you have grunge, funk and hip hop. And there is your list of genres. And this is all, by the way, before uh, 1990. And these have all been created within a century, within 100 years, as compared to the previous thousands of years, right? And so now you know why some of the older generations, sometimes it's confusing because we've had this huge tsunami of genres come flying at us, and we just listen to whatever we think feels good and makes us feel good. And we're going to talk about what we do with that later. There's a list of genres, by the way, you can't see well, uh, over 200 different types. As compared to your simple plain chant, things like that. Now, I'm glad we don't do plain chant, but uh, maybe this is a bit excessive. We'll talk about that. So why does history matter? Uh, it gives us a broader perspective than what we experience. All the music we, that we like has been created in the last couple of years. 
Number two, creates a new perspective for how music has changed in the past and uh, make us aware of the challenges facing our generation. If we are all continuing on the same track that we've done for the last 10, 20 years, that means in 20 years from now, uh, all the music we know will basically be obsolete. We'll have this whole other style, uh, 20, 30, 50, 100 different styles of music that we know nothing about if we continue on the same track we are on. Because music has been created very, very fast. Now we don't have time to go into all the different why different genres were created uh, and how they were created. But uh, if you need, if you like a certain style and you're not sure about it, study up. Why was it uh, created? Who wrote it? Who wrote the style? Why did they create it? And I'll help you give me background for that. So, uh, our music doesn't resemble anything like it did today. It doesn't resemble anything like it did in the past. But that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. All right, it's just different. Very, very, very different. We're going to talk the next couple days. How do we decide if it's good or bad or what we should listen to? Uh, and how we navigate through all this. Tomorrow we're going to talk about the power of sound and how sound does affect us. And we're going to talk about uh, according to the Bible later and our response. Any other questions before we close? Thank you for being here. Uh, we'll pray and then you can be dismissed. Thank you, Lord, for this evening, for health and strength for each one here, and uh, for the gift of music. And thank you, Lord, that we can sing and listen to music. And I pray you just uh, be with us as we continue uh, investing and diving into this discussion of music and what uh, music does for us. And I pray that we could uh, use discernment and wisdom and that we can honor and glorify you with everything that we do with it. Thanks for each one. Bless our night and uh, the rest of our week. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.